Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hey everybody, this is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, presented by In We Go, Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can, including Avalanche games, for only $39 per month. There's no additional costs or fees. You heard that right. You can get tickets to Avalanche home games with your In We Go subscription for only $39 a month. And it's not just Avs games. It's Rockies, Rapids, Nuggets, Buffs, Concerts, Beer Tastings, food fests, comedy shows, concerts, and anything else that you can imagine. If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that InWeGo can get you in. Here's where it gets good. We partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right, all events in Denver for under 20 bucks during your first month. Try it and fall in love with it just like we all did at BSN Denver. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Now, enjoy the show. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. For the Colorado Avalanche, that's Matt Duchesne. Right now, news is breaking that he has been involved in a trade that has been completed, and it looks like they have pulled him off the ice here after just playing a couple of minutes to start this hockey game. The best Avalanche coverage in Denver. Fans have the puck again in the New York zone. Shot, score! Taking you beyond the ice and inside the locker room. Gerard didn't have a stick. The handoff in the slot broken up with a skate by Gerard. He broke up that play. Then he stopped it there. Oh, wow. What a play by Gerard. <laughs> and now, here are your hosts, A.J. Hafley and Adrian Dater. Ooh, I'm a rebel just for kicks now. Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go, the only subscription that gets you into almost any event in Denver. Download the In We Go app today. Use the promo code BSN50 to get half off your first month. I am your host, Jesse Montano. I am sitting alongside my great friend, the great Adrian Dater, one of the uh, the hockey staples here in Denver. How you doing uh, on this Monday afternoon, my friend? I'm doing well, Jesse. Good to be with you. Thanks for all listening to another BSN Avalanche podcast on a uh, dark Monday night. Gets dark earlier now, doesn't it? Feels like it's like dark at three o'clock now, which isn't too far from the truth. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, you go out for lunch. You feel like the sun is already starting to set. I know it's even worse worse back east where I grew up feel like and uh, I think it gets, you know, darker at like literally like three thirty in the afternoon. I was You're up north too, yeah. 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 Uh good to be with you. Just uh you know another Monday. Another Monday. uh, We got an avalanche win to talk about though, so that's good. Yeah, that is good. That's that's what we're here to do, A D. So the game was last night. So we're gonna kinda give you a rundown today. Might be a little bit of a shorter episode. We say that a lot, and they end up being normal length. So we'll see where this goes. Uh, AD, quick kind of overview of the game. The Avs fall behind 3-1. to They come storming back, tie it up, and they go into what was a black black hole of overtime for this organization, and and they get it done. Yeah, great win. I mean, uh it's funny when it was three to two when they made it three to two. I kind of had a feeling they were gonna gonna come back and win. Uh, you know, I can't really prove that. I, although I did make a prediction on Twitter to a guy on direct message that it would be a four three final in overtime. Saw uh, that. Yeah, but uh, 
But it's funny when they waited three two, I had a feeling, yeah, they're going to get that tying goal. But still, it was you know, it was getting down under ten minutes to go, and mm-hmm. you always get a little antsy. But uh, but then the top line just just did it again, and uh, I mean that shot by Rantanen to win it was. I swear to God, that was one of the that's probably the best avalanche slap shot goal that I've seen since Ray Bork beat Martin Brodeur in uh I think it was game six. Uh six. No, game three of, oh, yeah, you're right, of the right. Avalanche Devils Stanley Cup final in two thousand one. The rising slap shot that was the tie breaking goal in the third period of that avalanche victory, as it turned out. Yep. Yeah, I think you're thinking of Game Six where, footer, right, footer, and uh, and then Tange and Drury scored goals, I think. But uh, no, Borks. I mean, that was just a what a shot. I mean, <laughs> one point eight <laughs> seconds to go. I, mean, I thought it was, you know, when they lost. I mean, they won the faceoff in overtime with like 14 seconds to go, but they win it, of course, right between the defensemen mm-hmm. up the, out of the blue line into the neutral zone. I thought, of course, the one time the Avalanche won a face-off is when it <laughs> won't do any good. But, uh, I mean, once McKinnon got that puck, gosh, things happen fast in the league, don't they? I mean, yeah. I think he got the puck with like, 10 seconds to go, maybe nine, and yet he was in the deep in the duck zone with about, you know, f- four seconds to go. He feeds it off, maybe even less than that. He f- and, and, and you know, that's all he needed was, you know, he had a little yeah. open space. He had a, he had a four on three, Randman's open, boom, 1.8 seconds to go, one, you know, one timer. I, I thought that was, uh, that was a well-deserved win uh, for the way they played for the most part. I think, you know, as usual, Anaheim always mucks up the game and gets a cheap goal here and there. Uh, they always do that at home. They're one of the most aggravating teams in the league. I've, I've thought for many years the way they win games. It's just never pretty. <laughs> never, ever pretty. But there they were with a chance to win the game. And yet the Avs stole it away. I thought it was a... It was a it was a good win. Uh, there were some flaws in the game, of course, and we'll get into that here. But uh, overall, you never complain when you win a game on the road. Yeah, exactly. You know, there, there were some things that, to your point, weren't great the whole time. But uh, the biggest one that I want to talk to you about, AD, is uh, one of the last games. I guess not the last game that Phil Gruauer played, but the, the game against Vancouver is is kind of the one real ugly black mark on, on Grubauer's avalanche resume so far. He's gotten the abs points in all but one of his games. What did you think of, uh, of Grubauer last night? He lost an overtime decision against Washington on Friday. Wins it last night. What did you think of Grubauer in general? Well, I mean, I think he was good enough to win. I mean, he, you know, he, he made – you know, the thing that worries you about Grubauer a little bit is he's – you know when there's when the avalanche defense is scrambling around in front of him a little bit, he seems to scramble around too. And uh, and then there's a goal like he doesn't. He seems like he moves around a little too much. If I was you know uh, uh, UC Parkala coaching him, I'd probably be concentrating heavily on his movement and goal. He tends to move around a lot. Mm-hmm. That's partly because he's so limber, I think, and he's very acrobatic as a goalie, and he's really, you know, he can do the splits and all that stuff, like real splits. Um, yeah. And and I sometimes think that maybe he's a little too active. Like I think he was sliding around a little too much at times. Uh, I think he needs to be, you know, keeping in mind. I'm I'm not a goaltending coach or expert. I've never tried to be, you know, Mister Expert about goaltending. It just seems to me like he moves around a little too much at times and gets a little flustered when there's a lot of movement in front of him. Uh, but, you know, a couple goals early, that happens. You know, Danaheim kind of took advantage of, I think, a little bit of another slow start by the Avs overall. Uh, but when it was time to, you know, lock it down, as Jared Bidnar said, late, I think he did that, and uh, we have to give him credit for that. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I believe it was the the second Anaheim goal. I, I think it was the Ryan Getzloff uh, shot on yeah. the power play where you, you watch it and, you know, it's, it's, it's so easy to dissect stuff in slow motion. But that was one where I, I really – uh, you know, and maybe AJ did, and, and I just haven't seen yet. But I'd love to talk to you about what were you seeing? Because I mean, that was almost kind of like a soccer goalie move, where he just kind of looked like he was guessing, and he moved his he. I mean, he shifted his positioning entirely to the right, and the shot went you know just inside the post on the left. I it, it, to your point, you know, he looked a little overactive on that one to me, especially because it looked like he had no clue where the puck was, so he was just kind of taking a guess. I'd like to see him maybe just stay just a little bit more square there. But again, I don't know what he was seeing. Maybe he thought he saw the puck drifting right. But as far as that goes, yeah, I agree with you. You know, I I, I like the composure that he seems to keep, that he seems to play with. Um, But, you know, on on a couple plays we've seen, he does seem to maybe do a little bit of overcommitting. Yeah. that yeah, you'd like to see that reel back in. But I agree. Yeah, he, he when he needed to, he made the big saves. So while overall I think his game was kind of meh, he 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 stopped him when he had to. Yeah, and I think I think it was a little better than meh. I think it was you know he kept him in it. I mean it was it was three to one. He could have gotten out of hand pretty easily there, you know. Uh, and I think that's the goalie's best trade is when it's seemingly just about to get out of control. They still make that save and keep a minute. I mean, if it was 4-1 game, the game's over. They don't come back from three goals down. As long as you're, you know, you get that next goal, then you always think once you're one goal away, you're always you're always optimistic you can do it. Uh, and he did that. I, he made a couple saves on breakaways. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you know, he, big saves. I mean. He seems like he's better sometimes in the most dire situations than he is in just normal situations. Right. <laughs> and, and, yeah, to be fair, really, that, that's the only goal that you can hold against him. Uh, you know, the first one, he, he made the save. Unfortunate luck, it bounces off his stick. The, second one, the third one, excuse me, that's just a great tip. <laughs> no one's going to stop yeah. that. Uh, so, so maybe you're right. Maybe it was slightly better than meh. Yeah, I mean, you know, three goals, you're always, you know, three goals or less is always the rule that that's that's pretty good goaltending for an NHL game, especially for an overtime game. Uh, right. But, yeah, you know, he hasn't been awesome this year. He had that one great game in Carolina. Um, everybody's still a little nervous about that one game in Vancouver, I think, that, you know, it's just so bad that anytime a goalie, you know, has that kind of game, you're always a little nervous, right? Uh, what the, you know, um, but, you know, Patrick Waugh gave up seven goals sometimes, a couple, few times. I mean, I remember a game, everybody knows the, you know, the games in Detroit right. uh, that he had one for the Montreal Canadiens where he allowed nine goals. That's final <laughs> game for the Habs that led to his trade to Colorado. Uh, but he, he gave up goals in bunches too. I mean, he gave up. I remember a game in Phoenix back when they were actually called the Phoenix Coyotes, the old <laughs> America West Arena, which was quite a trip to to cover a game there. Uh, the game was well. First of all, it had like a five thousand obstructed view seats up in the upper rafters. That the one that was in downtown Phoenix yeah. where the Suns played. Yeah. Basically, people paid five bucks to go watch the game on a, a big screen TV. <laughs> In front of them while in the stands. Uh, and then uh, our seats were in the uh, lower bowl seats, which was fair game for all kinds of drunken Coyotes fans to, to harass us <laughs> all game long and do Coyote yells and basically harass us the whole game. But, you know, that was part of the fun. But I remember Patrick Wall gave up seven goals in a game to, to the Phoenix Coyotes uh uh, there and you know, so Patrick Wad did okay after that. Uh, sometimes games like that are just sometimes good for goalies. I mean, they really shock the system. And I think, you know, the thing I don't know about yet about Grubauer is, you know, is he really mentally tough enough to to take that game and just 
feed off it and and make the, himself mad in a way and and just drive off of it or is he like or is that kind of in the back of his mind a little bit and like uh, you know uh, and you know contribute to a little less confidence than than he projects you know you never guys can always talk a good game in the locker room but but when it comes to doing it on the ice it's a it's where obviously where the rubber meets the road uh, and, uh, you know, I don't think we're there yet with Grubauer to, to, to know whether he really has the right quote unquote stuff to do it in the big, big, big bones, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, to, last night, I think last night, I think he, uh, toned himself nicely for his slow start and the team's slow start. So, uh, mm-hmm. that's all we can do is go from there. I was surprised he got the start. I didn't know, you know, Varley needed another day of rest. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I was surprised, but uh, you know he gets the win, three goals against on the road. Take it and move on. Ad, before we go to break, when we when we come back, I want to talk about this in the positive light because there was someone who got in on the secondary scoring last night. We're now at this point in the season. I I completely have lost track of of how far in we are. We're we're twenty games in. Secondary scoring for the Avalanche. How are you feeling about it? Well, feeling a little better, you know. Um, uh, you know, down goes Colin Wilson now, though. Uh, we don't know how long he's out now. Lower body injury. Who's off to a a, a really good start well, for for him? Yeah, I, I would I would temper yeah, that a well. little bit. Uh, really good f- initial start. Pretty good after that, but yeah. not it's not some moments. For, for what you got out of him last year, I, I think yeah, he's I been mean, really good. You know, I mean, well, nowhere to go but up from last year, though, right? Uh, right, right. You know, I think uh, I'm I'm encouraged by a couple things. Number one, Kerfoot's been really good. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Joseph's been better. I'm not as worried about Joseph as I was. I'm actually a little more optimistic about Joseph. I'm buying stock in Joseph right now. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, is kind of like our I said, I said, you're like our version of Mad Money. So if you're buying stock, people should be getting on that. Yeah, you should take that in grain of salt, of course, when Dater, you know, advises you to, to do anything. But uh, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually, I think I'm a better predictor of things than people give me credit for. I think, you know, Dater Jinx is a little bit of a, a Broadway show. Uh, <laughs> and people, people know me know that by now. But when I really get serious about predicting things, I think I, I do pretty well. I think you can look it up. Um, yeah, you know, uh, so I'm okay. I'm, I'm good with Joe. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Vlad, I, I really liked what yeah. I saw from him last night. More, I'm more buying stock in Kevin ever than I was. You know, I think the kid can play. I think he's going to be a pretty mm-hmm. good third-line center when it's all said and done. Maybe – Maybe a top six guy if 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 he keeps progressing, um, and uh, I'm happy about that. I think he's a you know a big wide bodied skater who can do do a few things. He's not the you know the softy that I originally thought. I think he's I think he's I think he's got some drive. Now I'm not saying he's I'm you know he's locked in to be you know a dinner first teamer or anything, but uh, you know, he's looking better. That gives me optimism. I'm still down on guys like Work, you know, Nieto. He's hurt right now. Uh, you know, Calvert. I don't think has been all that great, really. Uh, he's been better than his start, but still, he's 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 taking penalties. He's you know he's not you know he's not getting those breakaways that he everybody promised on shorthanded situations. Uh, PK has been kind of kind of bad. You know, uh, he's not – doesn't seem like he's involved in the play as much on the PK as I thought he'd be, kind of a pest kind of guy. He seems like he's just kind of hanging back like a lot of guys. So I'm a little worried about him. Um, you know, the rest of them, I mean, kind of scuffling along. Uh, Soderberg, though, I think we we never give him enough credit, really, when he's playing well like he is. I, yeah. Soderberg's been really good, and he's, uh, you know – He's such a you know, he's a more consistent player than we give him credit for. He, he sometimes frustrates you with lack of scoring, but he, yeah, you know, uh, seven goals and 
He's 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 always works hard on the PK. He's a hard worker. He's big. He's a better defensive player than people give him credit for. Obviously, I mean, I think he gets a lot of credit for defense, but I think even more than we realize, he's a he's a he's an important player on this team. Yeah, I I think he's just an overall better player than a lot of people give him credit for. You know, we. AJ and I at least talk about it a lot. You know, this is a guy that, that was almost a 60-point guy for the Avs his first year here. He had back-to-back, you know, 50-plus point seasons. Everyone talks about, oh, go trade for William Nylander. He's going to get you 60 points. You have a 60-point guy on your roster that you're currently strapping with Matt Nieto and Gabe Bork on most nights. Um, so I, I completely agree with that. I, I think Carl Soderberg is uh, – yeah, I mean, there's – I don't think he gets enough credit. Yeah, here. I think there's games though where he's just, you know, he's not a big, big enough factor, uh, and that's where it frustrates you a little bit. He's not a, not a dynamic player. Um, he's mm-hmm. just, uh, he's, he's good solid. in a game where everybody I think around him is on the same page and and working well. I don't think he's a, you know, he's not an individual game breaker kind of guy. He's just a, no. he's a really good. You know, uh, plus one kind of guy when everybody else is playing well. Um, yeah, I think that's the the thing with him. If guys around him aren't playing very well, he doesn't sort of elevate them better. I think it everybody's got to be playing well, and then Carl can fit right in with them. As weird as that sounds, I don't, I don't know how to express it better, but I just think he's no, no yeah. I get you. So yeah. You know, Carl, Carl's Carl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's it, is I think for the most part, you know, he's going to have bad games. Everyone has not a good game. But I think for the most part, you're going to get out of Carl what you always get out of Carl. And I, I think there is some value in that, that that he is kind of a little bit of a safer. Right. He, he's a, he's, right. He's a safe shift, you know. You, you, for the most part, know right. what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll we'll keep talking about last night's game. There was there was a lot of good, a uh, lot to talk about. So we'll dive into that. BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. We will be right back. Hey, BSN fans! Your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page, where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com, and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bar bartender the vip image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free coors banquet beer at any of those bars there are over 20 bars there you're sure to find one close to you it's bsnbars.com find a bar and get a free coors banquet on the house thanks for listening to the bsn denver podcast network this episode on the bsn podcast network is brought to you by total beverage with more than 70,000 square feet between their westminster and thornton locations There's literally no drink you can't find. I love Total Beverage. I go there probably once a week. That's BSN Sales Director Lindsay Sauer. She's a regular at Total Beverage. I know when I go in there that I am going to get uh, the best bang for my buck, hands down. And if you can't make it in the store, don't worry. Just go to totalbeverage.net and place an order online. I have also taken advantage of their delivery service. They always give me, um, you know, an hour window. I don't have to wait around all night or all day. And make sure to like the Total Beverage Facebook page to see weekly specials. Remember, for wine, beer, spirits, go to Total Beverage. Welcome back in. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. Denver's only subscription that gets you into almost any event going on around town. Use the promo code BSN50 when you download the In We Go app today. Jesse Montano and AJ AJ Hayfley. I'm, I'm so sorry, AJ. I'm just, it's just so it just that's just always the order I say it in. A, Jesse Montano and Adrian Dater here with you today as AJ Hayfley is in California, bringing you all that up close and personal coverage we you have come to expect from us ad we we 
talked about, you know, Philip Grubauer and how he played last night, kind of a bounce back. We talked about some of the secondary scoring and how there are some guys that, that are, you know, in, encouraging. One guy back from injury, back in the lineup, scored the opening goal for the abs. Sven Andragetto. What does this, what does scoring a goal like that do for him individually? And if he gets going, what does that do for that secondary scoring that we were talking about in that last segment? Well, Jesse, I would say, first of all, Ghetto needs to just get injured for a while and then come back and then I'll just harvest that first game back because <laughs> the first goal he scored in the year was his, his first game back after injury against New Jersey, uh, in New right. Jersey, and uh, comes back after his second long injury, scores a goal right in the first period again. I think he did that last year too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, he's – He's always coming back and yeah. So good on Ghetto for getting the goal last night, and uh, it was a nice goal. Uh, unlike yeah. the New Jersey goal, it was the New Jersey goal he scored was uh, basically a totally wide open net that uh, um, the goalie Jersey the backup I forgot his name, but he uh, he made the save. But it, it was proven on uh, video replay that he the puck was. Argue, it didn't look it to me, but it was judged over the line, but in the glove, uh, mm-hmm. should have been an empty netter right away. It was, it was like, oh my yeah. god, how did he miss? But he, he, he got the goal. Great goal last night. You know, when Andrew Ghetto is out there, he he gives the Avs more speed and skill. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. Um, right. It doesn't matter. You know, I mean, it depends. I mean, if if you're talking about the top six, speed and skill, you know, it becomes more. Uh, what do I say here? More, um, you know, important, and everything is more magnified uh, when he's on the third and fourth line. You know, it's more of like, hey, we got Ghetto down down there. He's 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 speedy and skillful. Yeah, let's hope he does something. And it's all gravy, you know. But when he's on a top six, it's like, damn, we need Ghetto to score, you know. Right. Uh, right. And he still hasn't proven he can do that. That's that's been the, you know, the problem with him and ton of other guys in this league is it's very difficult to go from. Bottom six to top six and be consistent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, for one game, I'm always okay with Ghetto. You know, if he put, he's a, he was a good replacement for Colin Wilson last night. Um, yeah. The problem with Ghetto is, you know, are you going to get it the next game? Are you going to get it the game after that? That's, that's the issue. And I, I don't really have any idea how we'll play Wednesday night. Uh, if he's if he's in for Wilson again, you know, you hope for good things, but you're never quite sure. Right. Um, the guys that we don't really need to talk about because you know what's coming. The top line basically has the Abs fall behind 3-1. to one. Ghetto's got the only goal for the Abs, and... And the top line took over. McKinnon scores. Landeskog scores. Miko wins it in OT. Do, do we need to say anything about this? This is just kind of business as usual every night. I mean, I would say go ahead and get your three-headed monster T-shirt at bsndeverlocker.com before they run out because uh, we had a run on those last night. I had a feeling, of, you know, once they get involved in the game and they get some production and they somebody scores, it seems like they feed off of that and they get better and better and better. When they get frustrated, yeah. uh, it goes the other way, doesn't it? Uh, the game against, uh, uh, you know, Washington was frustrating um, from their standpoint. Uh, um, it, you know, they they get they get they have a scoreless night every now and then, but when they explode, man, <laughs> you know, they get they explode. They get eight to ten, eight to ten to twelve points. When they do it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, so it's funny. So McKinnon's goal is assisted by Barry and Rantanen. Landeskog's goal by McKinnon and Rantanen. Rantanen's goal by McKinnon and Landeskog. (laughs) God, I mean. Did you see Landy tip the puck, though? I never saw the puck tip 
touch a stick? I mean, who? I, I, I seen think a replay of that goal that says Landy got that goal. I think it hit his foot, and the only reason I say that is because of the way that McKinnon reacted. Uh, okay. McKinnon reacted as if it tipped off of, of Landy, you know, somewhere. Yeah, um, I'm with you though. I didn't see it. I couldn't see it in the replay, but hmm. you know, I'll yeah. assume that there. Either were... way, uh, top line goal. Uh, once they get going, they're. Re- I mean, they're they're obviously always tough to stop but when they get going they they just keep it going they don't stop until the game's over i mean they keep scoring um it was it was great to see i mean god miko randon is the league's leading scorer at the moment i mean just mm-hmm. think about that uh this is a guy who was in san antonio like two and a half years ago who <laughs> we thought can't score in this league. He played his first 10 game with the ads, couldn't score. They're like, ah, what's up with this guy? You know, he's 10th overall pick, but he can't score. He's down in the minors. What, you know, what's going on? And God, now he's, you know, he's going to be, <laughs> I mean, he's already, you know, if you read national hockey coverage around, you know, it's like everybody's starting to do the little Miko Rantman stories nationally, you know. Um, we all know about him locally, but now people are starting to, you know, you see it when you go into other cities. You know, you see the, the hometown reporters coming up to him and asking him questions about who who the hell are you in Hawaii? How are you doing it? You know, that kind of story. You know, the, the big the big skillful fin, you know, the avalanches – Guy who's going to get paid next year. You know, those are all the angles. Right. Um, they're always so predictable by the media, by the way. It's like, I can just, I can just tell you what's going to be in the next city's newspaper <laughs> the next day or the online, whatever site they're writing for. But, uh, you know, what a thing. He's the league's leading scorer. And, uh, uh, and and he he's been he's been leading the league and and I I don't remember now off off the top of my head I'm gonna try to look it up while we're talking here he's been the league leader in scoring for the majority yeah. of the calendar days this season yeah yeah McDavid keeps nipping at his heels and then then Rance has another three point night you know puts him in the rear view mirror a little bit more he's got right. five three point nights this season or better three or better. So, so here, let me let me tell you this. This is four days outdated. Uh, Miko, Rant, this is courtesy of Brendan McNicholas, the the great PR guy for, the, for the PR abs. guy for the Avs. Yep. Uh, Miko Rantanen has held at least a share of NHL score of the sc- NHL scoring lead for each of the last twenty four days uh, from since the morning of October twenty third, and he's been the outright leader for eighteen of those twenty four days. Yeah, that's, and that's four days old. That's a that's a typical Brendan McNicholas stat. There's nobody better than better than Brendan McNicholas uh, for what he does yeah. for stats and stuff. He served mm-hmm. under uh, Dave Platty at CU as a uh, media relations guy, and that's that's like being you know me taught by Mick Jagger how to sing a good rock and roll song. Really, uh, <laughs> Dave Platty was the archetype of what a sports media relations person should be, and uh, Brendan Brendan serves us well with those numbers. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I know he's uh, you know. Can he sustain it? Win the win the Art Ross Trophy? I mean, that'll be a great story if he can. I mean, <laughs> well, it's one of those things. At this point, you know, if, if you would have asked me, you know, three weeks ago, I'd be like, oh no, you know, he'll cool off. Yeah. At this point, I don't know. Yeah. He could win the Art Ross. I don't, I don't know. Down. I don't see him slowing down. He's so big and so skilled. Why would he slow down? I mean, right? I don't see it. He's gonna get his points. I'm pissing yeah, for a hundred points, man. Hundred barring. Barring health, I I don't you know uh, obviously injuries happen you never know yeah. that kind of stuff but if, as long as Miko stays healthy I'm right there with the AD I don't know I I don't see why he couldn't get to to triple yeah, digits I don't I don't either I mean he's on pace uh, yeah he's uh, he's just big and strong and talented I mean he's what what more do you want in life I mean he's you know the thing is I mean 
you know, he's got the line mates that he, he trusts and everything. I mean, God, I, you know, I can't stand it when I see stuff still from other media, like, Hey, maybe we got to break the first line up. Maybe put Landy down on the second line. No, 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 no. Keep those three guys together. Period. Um, so, you know, they feed off each other, and mm-hmm. and and that's that's as good as it gets in the NHL right now. Um, and Miko, you know, Miko is, you know, Miko, you know, McKinnon's the marquee guy still. He's he's the star. Mm-hmm. But Miko, you know, Miko might be, you know, in some real hockey people's eyes, I think, GMs, stuff, people like that. I'm not sure they wouldn't take Miko over over Nate right now if they had a well, so team. In, in training camp, AJ and I were, you know, we were giving uh, Nate a hard time. We were saying, well, hey, you know, we're always looking for excuses to Vegas. You need to get back to the, you know, you need to be a finalist again so we can go back. Yeah. We've got a couple shots of that right yeah. now. You know, I, I I would say that right now at the at the quarter mark of the season, I would say Miko Rantanen's been the league MVP. I I I, I totally agreement. I think he's been the best player in the league. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, geez, I mean, every night he's bringing it. I mean, the one night against the Caps, he was frustrated. You could see him slamming his stick at the end of the game. Uh, I think that was you know first. He did not have a shot on goal that night, which was really surprising. I think the Caps, you know, the Caps, to their credit, did a really good job defensively on that top line that night. You could, t- it's obvious what the game plan was. We're going to do everything we can to take out that top line, and let's hope we can score a couple, one more goal than those other guys. Right. And they did. They won. Uh, but, you know, Mac. Nate, and uh, I'm sorry, Mac, Landy, and Miko, the three-headed monster is, is too much to stop every night for opponents. I mean, it's you're going to get scored on. You can stop them for a game maybe if you're lucky, but they're going to come right back and get eight points on you. And that's where, what happened to Anaheim. Where this is going to get scary for other teams is if, if the Avs get back to the playoffs – well, that line's doing it on the road this year so far. I know. If that, that if this team gets back to the playoffs, you know, I it's it's way too early to start making any kind of predictions, but there's no way any team's gonna feel good about that. Cause to your point, okay, maybe you shut them down in game one, but are you gonna do that again in game two and game three and game four? It's just not gonna happen. The, the, the line's too good. And and I wanna get to we're, we're gonna close this out with some Zadorov um yeah, and a couple of questions from our uh, podcast as we're doing. Uh, we're throwing a couple questions, I wanna, too. I want to ask you this really fast. Before we get to that, and then we're, we're going to kind of put last night's game to bed. Is this, and let me get through the full question, is this the most dominant avalanche line in franchise history? I'm not saying it's got the best players. I'm not saying it's got the most players that, you know, none of that. But the way that this line plays together and the way that no other team seems to have an answer for them. Is this the most dominant you've ever seen three players play together? Yes or no? Okay. This is going to be a great question. And I going to answer this after this segment or no, no right now. You, I want, I want to oh. know. Okay. As great as they are right now, the answer is no. Okay. The, 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 the most unstoppable line that I've seen in avalanche history uh, remains the Joe Sackick, Alex Tange, Milan Hayduk line that played throughout the 2001 season, led the league in scoring, all three of them, and continued it right through the playoffs to win the Stanley Cup. That remains still a better line than I've ever seen. And that is, that is saying a lot because yeah. one hell of a line in 2002-03 was Peter Forsberg, Milan Hayduk, and, uh, and and Alex Tange. Uh, <laughs> Borsberg won the Art Ross that year. Milan Hader won the Rocket Richard Trophy. Uh, Forsberg, Lemieux, Kamensky. Great line that won the Cup in 96. Uh, you know, Sackick, Forsberg, 
Adam Deadmarsh. That was a line in 1999 that won a Bob Hartley threw those three together after a mediocre like first half of the season. Bob Hartley throws Forsberg at left wing on a line with Sackett. But what happens? They win 12 in a row. Still the Avalanche record. Came within a Saints whisper of going to the Stanley Cup final that year. Um, I'll tell you what the most fun line I ever saw was in one period of Avalanche hockey. Hmm. Peter Forsberg, Joe Sackick, Theo Fleury. 1999, third period. Edmonton Oiler home game. Fleury's first game. It's a 4-0 game. Entering the third period, Bob Hartley throws those three together. Uh, they combine for 20 shots on net, the three of them. Oh, and they lose they lose four to three to the Oilers. But what a hell what 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 a period that was. Twenty shots on net uh, between the three of them. For one period, uh, Avalanche fans, I have the VHS tape of that game. If there's a fan out there who wants to convert that to a DVD, I'm happy to give that tape to you. Uh, just give me the DVD back uh, so I can have it and distribute it to other people to watch. Uh, that's a standing offer to uh, any Avalanche fan out there listening right now. Just DM me at, at ADater on Twitter. We can make arrangements for that. Because trust me, when I tell you folks, you're not going to see a more fun period of hockey than that period that that, that was that night. AD's got all sorts of games recorded from back in the day, and I, there's been a couple times we've gone over there, and uh, it's, <laughs> it's so much fun to watch all that old stuff. But it's so so this line is is on its way. It's not quite the greatest yet, but at at this pace, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to win a cup. I think that sure. that's part of it. Yep, you know, I agree. Um, you got to go through the playoff wars and prove it for four rounds. Yeah. Sackick, Tange, Hayduk. If you watch tapes from those those games, they were unbelievable. (laughs) They were unbelievable controlling the puck. They were whirling dervishes out there. (laughs) You couldn't get them. Sackick, Tange, Hayduk, all spinning off the play. The hits all the time. Skill seemed like everybody. It was like a symphony out there. Um, unbelievable year. And, uh, yeah, hit me up for those tapes, too. I have a lot of those games on tape, too. I just need a guy out there with a lot of time on his hands who can spend, like, two and a half hours transferring a VHS tape to a DVD because that's how long it takes for each one. So hit me up, folks. There you go. Uh, Nikita Zadorov. Been popping. His name has been coming up kind of out of the blue in, in a lot of uh, mostly Canadian news outlets that I've seen. What have you heard? Have you heard anything? No, nothing. I mean, you know, he's, you know, he had a, he was benched. We've been through this before, right? Right. Um, you know, Bednar has seven defensemen to choose from every night. Um, and, you know, Big Z got a seat that night. I, I don't think it was a, you know, huge of a shock. I mean, I think there was some media out there to try to make it a bigger deal than it was. But it was just, you know, it was a night where he got a night off. He he was benched the third period before that. It, it wasn't really a surprise to me. I don't think he's been great enough to – to take umbrage at that either. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm a Z fan, but you know, you're not, you haven't been good enough to, to just demand, you know, to make the coach have no choice, but to keep you in there. I mean, if you're not going to be as great every night, you, you're going to have to expect, maybe you're going to get the night off. And if you want to say, Hey, you know, I, I'm hurt. My feelings are hurt by that. Well, okay. Tough. You know, um, uh, I don't think he, uh, he has a, uh, you know, I don't think he has a right to sort of gripe about it in a way uh, and get away with it. I think that Bednar was right in doing what he did. I, I think that, you know, I don't, th- I, I actually said that I think Z didn't quite, you know, I, I, I didn't really agree with that, that game. I, I think if I had to bench Z, <laughs> I probably would have done it. Game, yeah. Last night's game, 
instead of the Washington game, I think that Big Z was you know, motivated to play against the Caps and likes to play against the Caps. They have a lot of Russian players. I think he, you know, they broadcast those, those Ovechkin games back to Russia. I think he wanted to be part of that. I think it was, you know, I think it hurt him. I mean, they're playing the defending Stanley Cup champs at home and he was on the bench. Um, I think the night to give Big Z more of a night off would have been last night, actually. Uh, but, you know, no, I don't hear of any trade in the offing. Um, you know, they're not – what are they going to get for him, first of all, right now? I mean, are you going to trade him in his lowest market value? Well, uh, I mean, I guess maybe if, if people were saying, oh, well, the, the Maple Leafs like Zadorov, I could maybe buy into it. But, yeah, these are just rumors that people are just putting out there saying, hey, maybe. And there's and, – yeah. you know, it's – I don't know who said that, but – Anything that comes out of Toronto, basically, just take it right over your, sh- you know, just throw it right over your shoulder and right in the trash with you. Is there, <laughs> is there, I mean, other than Bob McKenzie and Darren Drager, who are, who are the the best, you know, the best out of Toronto, the the rest of the media there is garbage. I mean, well, I hate to break it to you, it was Drager is the one who said it on uh, uh, Insider Trading. Yeah, well, I have some information about that. Uh, I know where you got that information from, and I, I don't put a lot of stock into it. I, I'm not saying it can't be traded, but I don't think Big Z is on the block right now. I think uh, if anything's – you know, nothing's going to happen right now. Uh, they're mm-hmm. not going to make a trade at the 20-game mark to move Nikita Zadorov for, uh, you know, a pick or something. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no top six forward that he's going to get for that right – for him right now. Uh at the trade deadline, who knows? But no, nah, unlikely he's in the last year of his deal. I just think that Big Z is going to have to work his way out of it. I think the Avs are kind of stuck with him for better or for worse right now. Uh, if you want to deal him fine for you know a fourth-round pick or third-round pick, okay, fine if you want. But I wouldn't do that. I think he's still got a lot to offer. And, uh, you know, um, just just stop with the rumors. Nobody knows what's really going on. Uh, GMs kibitz all the time, but I don't. I have not heard of anything serious uh, regarding Zadarov, and I've asked his agent about that too. And if I think if I if something were serious going on, he would have told me. Uh, he did not tell me that. Well, and then the other thing to keep in mind, I, I saw someone say. Oh well, these new these rumors never come out of nowhere. Someone must be hearing yeah, something. <laughs> that's that's what I was gonna say. And 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 while I understand that sentiment, they do. I mean, I've I've been doing yeah. this let for about, this about a year and a half now. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you a little secret about the media business. There's a very good large segment of the of the media contingent. I guess not large is large is probably not the word, but a segment. Who just makes stuff up? There was a segment of the media that just make up trade rumors, put it out there, and wait for the clicks to come in. And and some get away with it for the longer term than others, and some don't. Some are exposed pretty quick, but there's nothing stopping you or me, Jesse, right now from putting out a tweet saying, I'm hearing that Nikita Zadorov is on the trade block. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, even if you have no followers at all, if you put that out there, there's going to be someone who says sees that and thinks it's true. They retweet right. it, and then somebody else retweets it. And before you know it, it's like it's viral. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's one of those things, too, where someone hears someone saying, yeah, you know, the abs are, are, are pissed at Zadorov because he's, yeah. you know, he's not playing. Yeah. They're going to sit him. And someone flips that, too. Oh, the abs are looking to shop Sidorov because they don't like him anymore. And, you know, so people, yes, when Darren Drager said that, somebody said something to him, but it's people say stuff all the time. I mean, how many, if, if, if you, me, and, and AJ reported every trade or trade rumor we heard all around the Matt Duchesne stuff, Twitter would have shut down our no, accounts. Drager could be <laughs> right. He could be traded, but I guarantee you, probably what happened was. Was Drager was talking to some of uh, his coterie of GMs that he probably has a good connection to, right? And there's probably a few of them, mm-hmm. but he got one of them probably. And that GM said, 
yeah, Colorado's throwing his name around, but, you know, they also threw 15 other names around, maybe. You know, that's probably what it was. Hey, you know, hey, let's talk on the phone. I'm Joe Sackick. I'm talking with XYZ GM. Hey, what do you, hey, is Z on the block? Well, you never know. Make an offer, you know. It, and then if the offer's not exact, you know, a really good offer for Joe Saka, he's going to yeah, no. He's not on the block. We denied it all along. Right. He's probably, his name has probably been mentioned in some trade rumors. I just don't think they're all that serious from what I've gathered. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me at the trade deadline. They may be a lot more serious than they are now. But for right now, I don't think Big Z's going anywhere. And I think Big Z is still, you know, a guy that they need. I mean, he's he's the X factor on this team that could really make them a, a really you know, a top team. I mean, Big Z just puts it all together. You're talking about a six foot six, two hundred thirty five pound defenseman with a bit of a mean streak who can skate. <laughs> I mean, don't careful what you want to give up on. Because uh, right. those guys just aren't made out of a cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Zadi. Z is a, uh, he, he has the potential to be a special player just because of his build and the fact that he can skate as well as he can. Uh, so I'm right there with you, man. It's, it's, yeah, if you can go get max value for him, I, I don't know why you're trading him. I don't know who's offering max value for a guy who was just scratched a couple nights ago. Yeah. But if you can, yeah, sure. But I, I'm with you. I mean, I'm in no hurry to move on from, from Nikita Zadora. Yeah. Uh, questions finish up? Yeah, do it. I mean, we've, got the, we've been throwing this out there on the podcast. As you know, uh, we want your questions at the comment sections of the podcast post. So for the last podcast we did, we have 16 questions, Jesse. Yeesh. Give me uh, – let's do, let's do four of them. We'll do a quarter okay. of them. So I'm going to look through them here and uh, and throw out the, for people did not get to here. Uh, apologize, but uh, just keep throwing them out there, and you'll get your name on here soon. Uh, uh, okay, um, I like these inside baseball questions sometimes from Tira Tira Forty Two. Uh, how do you guys decide who travels to which away games? I've noticed that AD has done most of the traveling this year. As you mentioned, this is AJ's first time on the road this year. Just curious on the process. Uh, also, are there any significant ways in which working an away game differs from working game at Pepsi Center? Uh, I love the behind-the-scenes details. Thanks for all you do. Uh, thank you, TierAv42. Uh I'm on record as saying I wish, uh, hope that AJ Hayfley does more road games than I do. Uh, I've had a lot of travel in my life, and uh, it's lost its glamour for me. So while I will always gladly go to a road game when I need to for the company, and there are many times I still enjoy it, many times I do not enjoy it anymore. And uh, that's why... AJ is not only on this trip, but I hope for many, many more trips than I do, which I hope to become kind of a cherry picker old guy who gets to go on the games I like to go on the road instead of the games I have to go on the road. Uh, Road travel is um, fun at first, and then it really wears away at you. Uh, In every process you have, you're always on the go. Your attention span is shorter your patience is a lot shorter which i have always had a problem with both those things especially patience i become more aggravated when i'm on the road i become more angry for some reason when i'm on the road probably because everybody around me annoys me for some reason Uh, and i just become more ang uh bitter looking guy and I, you're, you see me around an airport. I am not a happy looking dude. I am the guy slugging around with my crappy little portable luggage slash computer bag, um, just dreading sloshing around the airport, eating bad food, 
getting on an airplane where I'm stuffed in like a sardine in a little tin can with no leg room and uh, getting off the plane and just um, hustling around and not sleeping in my own bed and, and just, man, it wore away at me, you know? So what AD is saying is, is basically the way that we choose games is who wants it? <laughs> yeah. Like, I know you're going to Florida because AJ hates Florida. I am going to Florida, which I like Florida. I'm fine to do that. I like Florida's I'm looking forward to. Like, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that backroads drive from Tampa to Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I think it's Route 75. Alley. No, it's not Alligator Alley. That's the highway. Uh, this is the back back road. Oh. And that's where you pass all the, uh, you know, alligator farms and things like that, uh, which I love. So I'll tell you what, though. I mean, there's some times where travel still like a breath of fresh air revives me and, and reaffirms my uh, love of life is like, you know, last playoffs. I fly to Cincinnati to save the company money, uh, but the game's in Nashville, right? It's a playoff game. So it's a five-hour drive. Uh, but instead of the highway, I took the back roads. Uh, Cincinnati to Nashville via Kentucky back roads is unbelievable. It is so beautiful. I never knew Kentucky was so pretty. It was unbelievable. And not only did I see just beautiful little town after beautiful little town, but then I stopped in Abe Lincoln's birthplace all of a sudden on, on the side of the road. And I get out of the car, and I see Abe Lincoln's, it's not the real log cabin home he grew up in, but a facsimile, but it's right on the grounds. You know, log little log cabin's not going to last 260 years. Uh, <laughs> but, but... I get to go behind the log cabin, walk around the grounds that Abe Lincoln actually walked as a boy. Then I go to the little brook that was in behind the log cabin. This little running brook, just a little stream. But damn if it didn't look original to me. And then I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm sitting on the ground now looking at Abe Lincoln's boyhood brook that he probably sat right in, right in my very spot that I'm sitting now as a 53-year-old, 265 years later. How amazing is that? So those are the things that you you cherish when you're doing stuff. Otherwise, I'll tell you what, though. Aside from that awful first Airbnb I had in Florida, basically staying in a meth house, afraid for my life, putting out SOS calls on Twitter, uh, seriously afraid for my life for there for about a good 10 minutes. Like I'm going to die in a meth house. <laughs> uh, fantastic experiences. The road travel has been enhanced by Airbnb. Instead of going to the same old cookie cutter Marriott that I did for 20 years. Now I get to go to some strange house. That's strange, but yet unique. And there's the key word unique something new i'm in a person's guest house in buffalo like i did i'm in a basement apartment in philadelphia all of a sudden in the heart of the city uh those are the things that have made travel more fun so and airbnb is not even one of our sponsors so i that's know they should be man how ad feels <laughs> no i'm serious though for people who want to actually save money on travel like buy it like a hundred dollars a night and also want to have a unique experience instead of a cookie cutter hotel, check out Airbnb. It uh, is the I don't know. official sponsor of BSN Denver travel. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. Don't say that you're going to get us in trouble. <laughs> you don't, you don't <laughs> like Airbnb though. Hi, right, Jesse. A little leery. No, it's not even leery. It's just when I walk in, I feel like I'm in someone else's house. I never yeah, feel you are. comfortable. Yeah, I know, but I don't. It. I, You're a guest. I don't feel comfortable. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I'm walking on either, but phone. then you get used to the fact that most people are sort of do this as a, a real stock and trade now in their lives. Like most people who do Airbnb are like 
experienced people now, you know, run out of room every night. So they're kind of like stewards in a way. They leave you alone. Usually they don't want to sit and chit chat unless you want to. And then they will. But uh, my last day in uh, Philly, I said hello to the host as I walked in and never, never said another word to her the next 24 hours. Um, but in Philly, before that, another Airbnb, I sat and chatted with the uh, married couple who were my hosts uh, for, you know, a good half an hour downstairs. We talked Philly local politics. We talked sports. You know, we talked uh, the best, you know, um, books that we've read recently, you know, that kind of thing. So that was fun. Uh but anyway, all right. Let's move on from that question. Uh, we're getting, yeah, just, we're getting short. just a couple more questions there, Jesse. Just do one more because we we've run kind of long. Yeah, come on, we can go a couple minutes. A couple minutes. All right, yeah, all right. Give cocky. me two more. Uh, okay, no, sorry, Luke. Not this one. Uh, <laughs> um, from. LGP 78, LJP 78. Uh, now that we're closing on the quarter pole of the season, what are your thoughts on the job of Greg Cronin in Loveland? Uh, a lot of people are very negative about his hiring. That's right, Luke. Uh, his name is Luke Palmasano. From what I hear, it's been uh, it's okay. Uh, I think the Eagles have been dipping a little bit lately, but uh, but I think people are fine with Greg Cronin for what he's done. I think uh, there were some worries about him being the coach, uh, assistant for years in the NHL, hasn't been a head coach in a long time, older guy. Is he going to be able to relate to young guys? Uh, but I've heard pretty good things, uh, especially yeah. from uh, A.J. Uh, Greer, who um, he says he really got, you know, his game got changed up in Loveland. Uh, I, I'm sure Cronin is part of that. I think he credited another guy even more, though, of the offensive coach there. Uh, might be. Is it Ryan Tolbert? Might be. Uh, but, uh, you know, I haven't heard anything negative about Greg Cronin. So, uh, no, they're off, they're off to a good start. They're off to a better start than. Uh, uh, I do want to thought. address this uh, from Max Prime 867. Elliot Freeman recently talked about the potential for a new playoff t- format on 31 Thoughts, where the team seated 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 would play each other in a best of three series to, to determine the two wildcard teams. Uh, Gary Bettman was on that podcast and he said, no, I'm not on board with that. Uh, I agree with that, Jesse, don't you? You can't play 82 games and be better than a team and then lose in one lucky goaltender game and, and, and yeah. play in. It's just not fair. I, I'm, not all for re, I'm all for redoing – the, the playoff format, I think it needs to be changed from what it is right now. But I, I'm, I've am i never been a fan of the playing games. I hate the playing games in baseball. Uh, I, I'm with you. Why? You know, so so let's say you are one of the teams that would have originally qualified for the wild card spot. Yeah, you're going to pit that yeah. team in, in one game where your goalie goes down with an injury or, or yeah, you know. No, it's not fair. No, not the, right. the playing this isn't, isn't baseball. I mean, no, no. They they already have sixteen teams in the playoffs. That's enough. We don't need if, some f- what stupid manufactured thing. Uh, if you want to change the format of of how teams get in, if you want to go back to just the best eight, if well, you want, you know, I'm all for that stuff. Well, but don't extend it beyond. Yeah, 16. if you want to go back to like one versus eight in the playoffs, I'm fine with that too. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, anyway, no, no, no wild card playoff. Uh, Couple more, uh, real quick. Uh, Bob W. The burning question that's on everybody's mind: What is the deal with Varley and his water ball bottle at the beginning of every period? Uh, I don't know anything about this. People keep asking me about this. I don't notice that stuff. Do you? Uh, it's the first whistle. Uh, it has to be tossed to him from the bench, and he has to uh, pick it up out of the blue paint. It's, I did is- not know this at all. It's uh, just, it's just a superstition. You see goalies. Tap the post. You see guys do certain things. It's just one of Varley's little quirks. Huh. Uh, at at the first whistle of every period, someone – it used to be Pickard, and now I believe it's just a trainer – tosses him his bottle, and he's got to pick it up out of the blue paint. God, I swear to God. People are going <laughs> to think I'm an idiot, but I have not noticed this whatsoever. Um, somehow this escaped my transom. It's uh, it's really subtle. If you if you if you aren't looking for it, it's super easy to miss. 
The Sportsbook Bar and Grill is owned by Denver natives who love Colorado sports. I'm a big sports guy. I love watching sports. I love people's reaction to sports when it's a high-stakes game. No matter what's going on in the world, it kind of unifies people, and everyone seems to be a friend, <laughs> you know, when you're at a sports bar. So, yeah, that's, that's the main reason I want to get involved in the sports bar. That was John Porter, part owner of Sportsbook. Him and his team pride themselves in creating a great environment for you to enjoy your favorite sports with TVs in every direction you look and so much more. Something that makes Sportsbook unique is not just a sports bar. We also have a killer menu um, with a bunch of, we got pizza burgers and melts and the combination of the food with the experience of a, of a Broncos game or an Avalanche game or a Rockies game and having all that stuff packed into one. I mean, no one wants to sit at home by themselves and watch a game. You want to be around friends or you want to make new friends. You want to be full while you do it. And you also would like to have a few drinks with it as well. So with all the beers we have on tap and the diversity of our menu, there's no better spot to watch sports. You feel like you're in your house with all of your friends with you. If you're near Wash Park or Greenwood Village, be sure to stop by Sportsbook Bar and Grill today. All right, AD, are we ready to get out of here? Yeah, I'm ready, man. I think uh, I've rambled a little on this podcast, but uh, that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, we talked some good hockey, man. We have a great podcast, and uh, thank you to the listeners for visiting. We did not get to all the questions tonight, um, but you know uh, we will get to them all the time. Just leave us your comments on the next podcast uh, post. Leave your questions in the comment section. Tomorrow night's podcast, we will get to more of them. Yeah, no, and, and I mean, like we always tell people, you guys are so awesome that we can't keep up. So that's why not everyone gets, you know, not okay. everyone has their question stuff. It's because yeah. you guys are too good. You guys are you guys are way too on it. Um, too many of you. Yeah, but we'll uh, we'll 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 make sure that everyone gets their voice heard. Uh, Ad, let's go ahead and get out of here. Thanksgiving week, we'll uh, we'll close this Monday out. Yes, indeed. Or- for Adrian Dater, I have been Jesse Montano. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast. Thank you guys all so much for listening. We will be back tomorrow.